Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. All right, I was wondering why I was never on your show. I guess the people said that they didn't want me, which is totally fine. So let's talk about what the Bears have done no, over the no, last no, couple. No, 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 no. What, what, what? We want you, Lawrence. We want you. It's, it's want fine. You it's totally fine. I mean, I just I adore you guys, but, you know, I never get an invite. But it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's Steve <laughs> so, Stone, you know. Wow. Yeah, I, I blame you, Stevie Sunshine. You're, you're, everybody's helping themselves on with their own cross, and then I get trashed like that? <laughs> it's on you, man. Come on. you. Hey, you sit in the power chair on this show, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, if Lawrence is not on our show, it's it, that's on you, buddy. Wait, you invited him on, and I said, and I'm here, and we're here, and we're doing this. What are you doing, Grody? You're just trashing me. We're broadcasting live. I have Monday one question studios. for you, Steve. What are you doing, Rosenblum? I'm doing a radio show with Mark Grody, and we are doing, welcoming. Warrior? On the Alpamonte Ford hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, we're going to welcome to our show, Loho. Lawrence Holmes, you'll hear him Monday through Friday from noon till 2. He does a terrific job, and now he has deigned to join us. Lawrence, how you doing? I'm doing well, man. This is exciting to be on you guys' show. Well, we don't know why you'd want to be on Saturday Suckage unless you have a Wearing a mask can have a hazmat suit, but we thank you for for coming on. I feel bad. I feel like I beg to be on the show now. So, like, you guys have pity on me, and now I'm on the show. No, you know what? You you, you this is perfect. We are are we're doing our what are you doing, Wagner? It it is to find out what people are doing to talk about what people are doing during this time of quarantine. You, of course, dominating all platforms with with podcasts and television shows and YouTube channels and, oh, yeah, by the way, a radio show. So have you had time to do anything except all of these professional pursuits? Uh, Yeah, I've read three books. <laughs> so What, what I, are I, they, sir? Well, the, the Game is Not a Game is a book that Scoop Jackson wrote, and it, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it sucks because he was supposed to have, like, the, the day that – uh, a shelter in place happened. He was going to have like a book signing party oh. and I got my copy and I, I knocked it out in two days. Like I really, really loved it. it. It was great. It was really creatively written and I'm such a huge fan of scoop that, that it was easy. So I read that there was this great book of speeches that have been sitting around and I, I've been saying to myself, Oh, well, I'll order all these books. I was like, I have a bookshelf of books that I have not read. So why order books unless it's someone that is close to me who I want to support, like 
Scoop or Paula Ferris, who her book is out right now. That why wouldn't I just look in my own bookcase and find stuff to that's either reread or or read for the first time. So I've been doing that. Like I and honestly, I appreciate you guys talking about the 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 YouTube page. Like that's new. So the House of L podcast, which Grody has been on, but Rosie, we're still waiting to do your episode of House of L. I opened up a a, a YouTube page for since I'm doing a lot of Zoom, I actually have videos to share. So if you search on YouTube now, House of L Podcast, you'll find my YouTube page and a few interviews that went up this week on it with Jason Hayward and and uh, Michael Felder. It's It's been fun to try and learn something new, or I guess in this case kind of relearn. Like I used to know how to edit video, and it's kind of been a slow grind to get back to learning how to do it and, and upload everything and to, to get it to the people on different platforms. Steve, Lawrence and I had, when I went on House of L with Lawrence, I mean, it was, the, the format is great because he just kind of lets you talk about what you want. Lawrence has his questions and his angles and things like that, but for the most part, it's free form, and what it turned out to be was this dual therapy that was going on between Lawrence and I, me discussing my my alcohol issues, my alcoholism, Lawrence discussing some of his anger issues of the past. And basically we talked it out for about a good 45 minutes of the show. So I could tell you right now, Stevie Sunshine, that there is therapy. It is therapeutic to go on the House of L and you feel like you can be real. I told him, yes, I, I said, fine. I said, you just ask when you go through your A-list of people and you're dipping down in the Rolodex. Look, <laughs> Kids, ask your parents what a Rolodex is. I'm, I'm happy to do that. And I did hear that. And I would recommend that that House of L episode. In fact, a, 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 guy, uh, a guy at my Trader Joe's sat in the car and listened to it. He could not get out of his car. You're, Lawrence, you replayed that a, a while back. Uh, and he couldn't move. It was so, Mark, you were so gripping. Lawrence, yep. you're a spectacular interviewer because you just laid out and let him talk. And when you asked a question, it was short and neutral and open-ended. And Mark was happy to fill it all in. And I could see where that would be therapy. And it's a hell of a lot cheaper than 150 bucks an hour, right? There's no doubt. I mean, Grody, Grody's the best. And, like, that episode did really well. It's one of the, the most listened-to episodes of House of L ever. And I think that one of the reasons that it is is because Mark was able to make something that's really difficult he he was able to talk about it in a way that helped people. And whether it was the first run of it on the podcast or when I played a little snippet of it on the score, that there were people who listened to Mark's story and they found common ground with him. That's why I think that, that him being as accountable as he is about his issues with alcohol is a great thing. And, and it's not for everyone. Not everyone can be that transparent or, or that accountable, but hearing Mark, who is everyone's best friend, like every, there's no one who doesn't like Mark Grody. No one. Well, all right, there's That's that one true. guy. There, no, there's the one yeah. guy, and Grody knows who I'm talking about. There's the one guy. But sure. other than that, everyone else loves this guy. And to see someone who is, is pretty much always positive, always smiling, always in a good mood, go to some dark places – I think it was helpful for a lot of people. I love that. I love finding out stuff that I don't know about even my friends. Like, I've known Groats for 
what two decades now, something like that. Yeah, and we've been and, we've and been around he, a long time now, Lawrence. Yep, and and hearing him talk about this, uh, it was it was really heartwarming and helpful, and and he was helpful to me, and I appreciated that. I'm going to answer a Who question. Who have been some of your you... other guests? No, go ahead. Go ahead, Stevie Sunshine. No, I was just saying, Lawrence always asks this, and I love the question he asks guests of what they've been doing as well. And I want to answer one because I think it's a pursuit. It, it got you, you crystallized it as I've been, whatever I've been reading, and I'm reading a science fiction book, Outlander, which I would never do, but in trying to write my own novel, I need to color outside the lines and just see how people do this and the pursuit of excellence has led me to seek out books and especially documentaries on excellence on geniuses in and there was one on quincy jones that i just watched oh my i had no idea and i would recommend that to everyone out there and i looked there was one on mike nichols who was um Kids, ask your, don't ask your parents, kids. Go look up Mike Nichols and watch this, this spectacular documentary and you'll see what a genius he is and how he reduces storytelling to its essence and then allows the authors to blow it up from there. And it goes back to one time I sat and interviewed, I interviewed Red Auerbach. I had a cigar with Red Auerbach when I was writing the out loud pieces where it was a Q&A and I throw out my questions and just run their answers. And this was the one time he relented on, on grudgingly giving Michael Jordan his, his due. Because I said, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan. And I expected to get the whole Bill Russell, the, the, the whole litany, the whole resume, everything. And, and he said, Russell would get you the ball and Jordan would put it in the basket. And I said, but that doesn't sound like the guy who was, who was so angry that Bill Russell could be questioned. And he said, I've learned as I got older to have an appreciation for excellence. And that's always stuck with me. And in watching The Last Dance, we see that excellence. Whatever we remember, for me, this has brought it back in, in, in Technicolor and just been wonderful. Lawrence, you went through this. What have you seen? What struck you upon second viewing or thinking about it, We even having lived through it the first time? How hard he worked and what the actual toll was on him. Because it, it's almost like you have a guy that was a superhero and you don't think that anything can touch him. And you're wondering, well... What was going on? What, what were the things? The other thing, Rosie, that I think is, is fascinating about this is you have so many individuals that kept drawing lines in the sand, whether it was Jerry <laughs> Reinsdorf with Scottie Pippen's contractor or Jerry Krause talking about, well, this is going to be the end of Phil Jackson or Phil just kind of being like, yeah, I'm done with the way this is going to go and I'm going to leave here after this year. Or Michael drawing the line of I'm not going to play for anyone other than Phil. There's so many men here that were so proud and they drew a line. And I wonder, in retrospect, if any of them would have done things differently to try and keep the success going. And I wonder what we'll get to as we get through the, the last six episodes of this, if that's addressed. Because I'm, I'm not sure that 
any of them were completely wrong or completely right. And could you have kept things going? And what stuck out to me, guys, I interviewed Jason Hayward this week, and he said that the the Cubs, this year's Cubs team, they've been in contact with each other, and they're looking at this as the last dance. And I thought it was a – I was kind of floored by him saying that, that he's found parallels between what's going on with the 2020 Cubs and what was going on with the 97-98 Bulls. That's interesting because it it does have the feel, the the Cubs that is. Actually, I, I kind of felt this way last year, that yes. last year would be the final year with the core, right? And then this year there were supposed to be dramatic changes, Lawrence, but for whatever reason, and maybe it's because of what's going on now, or actually, let, let's you know, this is before COVID, that Theo FC never found the right deal for Chris Bryant or any of the other heavies from the core. So I guess, Lawrence, that means that this year is the final year for the Cubs and the core that exists. Yeah, and and Bryant losing the grievance, I think, helped the, the Cubs be like, okay, well, you know, we don't have to do anything drastic. We can wait to see what the best thing that's out there for us and for him. His approach, like Bryant's approach to, to coming into spring training and answering a lot of questions and sitting there for an hour or whatever it was to talk about all of these things. The fact that Joe's gone, and I think that there's a stark parallel between the way that Joe Madden goes about his business and the way Phil Jackson went about his. And, Rosie, you're probably a better guy to speak on this because you actually covered Phil Jackson. But I, I think it's it's striking how similar in tone and approach those two guys are. I think what, what Phil did was he rallied he rallied everybody against uh, – he rallied the locker room against Jerry Krause, a predictable and easy villain. And what Joe did was he rallied everyone to allow them to be themselves, which generally they colored outside the lines. You could, you could see that they achieved – one level less each year until they finally stopped making the playoffs each year since the World Series. And they they were well-read guys. They were smart guys. They were good faces for their franchises. They had thought about a lot of things that were asked that I, I may have been surprised by some questions they were asked, but but they had an answer. Uh, they were, they, Phil did it a different way, and which also played to Michael's need for a villain michael's need when we we saw he if he didn't have a villain he'd make one up and then we seen this in the last dance that there were villains all over the place he didn't have to make up much but i found them to be really smart guys and it and that the you can hire guys to do the x's and o's for you you can hire guys to do yep. the strategy and when the strategy is done then you need a psychologist and that's where that's where some of the and, – and being – they were – Phil was really good in-game in letting them fail. That was one of the things he did really well. I'm not yeah, calling timeout. Yeah, he just sat there. <laughs> yep. I'm not calling timeout. I'm letting you guys get out yep. of it. And if you look at the successful coaches, their in-game ability is what separates them from everybody else. It's why Scotty Bowman wanted Joel Quenville to be – to replace Dennis Savard. Because in-game, Scotty was on the other bench. Scotty saw the way Quenville operated on the bench. And that's what makes a difference. And you watch what Phil did in games. 
psychologically, he was letting his team, forcing his team to figure it out. No, you're not going to get a timeout. You're going to be out there on your own. And if you're going to be out there naked and vulnerable and making mistakes, you're just going to make mistakes. Figure it out yourselves. So that way, um, I thought Phil was better than Joe because I, we all had problems with Joe's pitching decisions. Although I did think that one of the most dramatic things Joe Madden did, one of the smartest things he ever did, was yanking Jason Hamill in the couldn't even get wouldn't let him get to the fifth inning in that series oh, against yeah. the Giants where he benched Starlin Castro, his starting shortstop, and he yanked a pitcher in in August. This is the team we're chasing. We're going to beat them, and we're not putting up with this. This is playoff time, and I think that was the most important thing he did. There were a lot of other things we saw at the end of 2016 where we questioned his decisions. But Lawrence, to answer your question, I think there was a that I think Phil was Phil's handling of psycho, psychology and strategy was a better combination. Well, and 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 B.J. Armstrong echoed your point. I talked with him last week, and he was saying two things from that interview really stuck out to me. One, the the idea of Phil coming to B.J. at as a rookie and telling asking him, "Do I have your permission to tell you the truth?" And Ooh. that is a powerful way to build a relationship with the player. And the other one is exactly what you said. What BJ said that, that Phil was good at is, look, I'm going to let you work yourself out of your problem. You know what the answers are. I don't need to call a timeout to tell you. You know what the issue is, and now you know what you have to do to get yourself out of this. I, I think that that takes a lot of courage and a lot of trust to, to, to do that with your players. And it, it was – it's all of this, like, hearing how they talk about each other in that time, I, I've really enjoyed. I, I, I've i made the comparison that the 97, 98 Bulls, or I guess the Jackson Bulls, are run like a football team where you have this kind of CEO head coach, and he has Tex Winter and Johnny Bach the best offensive and defensive coordinators in the game. I mean, both of those guys are legendary coaches, and I'm glad that we got some of the Tex Winter stuff in the documentary. I'm hoping that we get a little bit more of the Johnny Box stuff going forward because the Dobermans, the way that the Bulls yeah. of that era played defense, that was a, a Johnny Box construction. And getting those guys to buy in to this is what we're going to do. Or even something as simple as you're going to pick up Magic full court. You're going to drain him throughout the game. We're never going to let him get started. Understanding the type of player that you have and then using that player, at their, their, their highest skill, and getting results out of it. I, I think that to have a coaching staff like that, a legendary coaching staff filled with really smart basketball players, including Jim Clemens. And we could even go down to the training staff of those 90s Bulls teams as well. That is, that is something that is difficult to accomplish. Yeah, it's, fun, it's funny you mentioned the, the fact that the, the Bulls were all in on defense. And it, I was listening to your interview, was it uh, Tim Grover earlier this week? Yeah. And... He he said he talked. I thought it was really interesting to hear the difference between Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, whom Grover trained both of those guys. 
and it was perfect with with, George, with 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 Kobe. He said that he wanted to know the whys of everything and why do I need to do this? Why Jordan was like, just tell me what the hell I need to do and I'll do it. And that obviously applies to the defense as well. Tell me what the hell I need to do and I'll do it. But I just found it fascinating, the trust that he put into the training staff. And then once he trusted the coaches, it was, it was like, tell me what the pass the ball to John Paxson. Okay, I'll do it. I'll buy in. And that was like crucial to all six of those championships. But you have to make sure that you do your job. You, you know, that, that Michael's going to trust you, but you got to knock down that shot. And, and Pax oh, did yeah. in that game. And, and Kerr did later on. Uh, when, when he's uh, pass me the ball, I'll, I'll be open. I'll make the shot. When you get that trust from Michael Jordan, I, I can't imagine that as a basketball player that there's any better feeling than getting the validation of, of the greatest player that's ever played. The greatest sales job in sports history was Phil Jackson getting Michael Jordan to share the ball. Yep. And yes. You saw it in that game five. Who's open, Michael? Who's open? That was a whole timeout. Who's open, Michael? And he finally had to say Pax. Yeah, passing the ball. And John Paxson scored 20 points, and that was, that was, a, it was a whole big thing. Speaking of the, the, as we watch this and we see the personalities later, Horace Grant had the line of the last episode talking about the Pistons when they walked off the court. And I'm not even, I don't know what we're allowed to say on the radio, so I'm not going to say it. I can tell you, you this know, much. I'm getting a shirt. Super yeah, 70 I, Sports is getting, <laughs> putting the shirt out there, oh, yes. and I'm going to wear it with pride. I can tell yeah. you that much. <laughs> you should. I think it's great. So, anyways, you know what that reminded me of? Because you spent so much time with Alex Brown. I I regret that the Bears did not win that, did not beat Peyton Manning in that Super Bowl, that Alex Brown was not on a Super Bowl winning team. Because whatever documentary would be done, as emotional as he is, as – as unfiltered as he is, I would want to see him in one of these things. Could you imagine that? Lawrence, Rosie, you sit with I, him every week. I get it every week. Like, it's amazing. Like, during the football season, it's, it's like getting a master's degree in football to sit with those guys. Mm-hmm. Alex, Lance, Matt, and Olin. And, and I, I joke about this all the time. I think I know a little bit about football because I covered it for a really long time. I watch a ton of stuff. And I sit with those guys, and I'm like, I don't know, bleep. <laughs> like, I can tell you what happens in a game. If you, if you let me watch a game and then I have a replay, I have a pretty good idea of what happened on the play and why a play broke down. What impresses me about those guys is that their ability to do it in real time, that the ball is snapped and Olin can tell me this play is not going to work because this guy got collapsed. Like, their ability to see – the entire mosaic of a play in a couple of seconds is amazing. The storytelling is beyond wonderful, and Alex is, is great. I, I refer to him as the mayor because no matter where we go, like if we ever take the show on the road or if we're just out and about like hanging out as, as a crew, Alex has time and a story for everybody. We did a, We did an event. The, the Bears were playing the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. I think that game got flexed. Uh, and, and we were out at this tailgate on Cermak Road. Like, there's this crazy tailgate that happens off of Cermak and State every week. So we go, to, go there to do the show. And Lance and Matt are kind of like, 
they're out of their element because we haven't done this before. Like we're we're taking the show, and I'm like that too. Like I want to make sure that everything's okay. Want to make sure that my guys are all right. We're getting ready to go on the air. Alex is is in a tent, like hanging out with a bunch of Bears fans, like telling stories. One of them had like a a, a Florida Gator like flag or something like that. So he's in there doing the chop with them. Like we had to drag him out of there to get him <laughs> on television. And but but that's who he is. If if he ever decided that he wanted to run for office, I truly believe uh, with with his his charisma, that million watt smile that he has and he's he's got a charm to him that that i think endears him to people so you're right rosie if there was ever a documentary and he would be i mean i I mean we're far enough away from it now i don't think alex would be too mad there's a lot of fun stories about super bowl week that that super bowl and i saw alex quite a bit on miami beach that Mm. week and we Ooh. told some stories and had some drinks down there, too. But he wasn't the only one. I mean, I saw all sorts of bears. And they're, they're, those guys and their bond, I got to experience some of it this past week. We did this cool benefit on NBC Sports Chicago that uh, Sarah Locke and, and Danny Wysocki put together for us. And it was incredible. We had the group, the band Chicago, put together a, a live uh, 25624, and, and it blew me away. But I talked with Erlacher and Briggs and together, like, same time. And the bond between those guys, like, the brotherhood of it, it just – I didn't have to do much. I just had to kind of sit there and let those guys react to each other. And it, it's, it's a really cool thing to see. But you're right. If you were to do a documentary and sit Alex Brown down for three hours – to, to talk to him about the the 07 bears he would have a lot 0607 bears he would have a lot of things to say and it would be worth your time it's why i adore working with those guys mm-hmm. like they're they're so much fun and so smart and I mean, we kind of know this about olin but when olin was playing he was this he there was mike tyson and there was olin Cruz, like the the two scariest men on the planet <laughs> And, but when you sit with Olin, like, you start to get it. Like, I, I I, feel like I have a much better understanding of him now than I did as a player. Me and Olin didn't have any problems when I was a reporter. But I, I like just sitting and listening to him talk. He's got a really keen mind uh, about the game of football. And his approach is not for everybody when it comes to leadership style. But he is uh, – he is a, a, a respected guy, and even Alex, like, they refer to him as the OG. Like, they, they, those guys, like, in a room full of alphas, mm-hmm. they, they know how big and bad Olin is. And it wasn't just because he was tough. It was because he was good at his job, and he expected you to be good at your job, too. You know what's amazing is that we always like people have complained sometimes that the the eighty five bears are everywhere and you know all you had to do was be on that Super Bowl team and you could be in the media. It's now happened with the with the O six O seven Bears. Like like finally there's another team whose players are starring in the media in this town from the long snap to the actual kicker, to all the guys that Lawrence is hosting with. I don't know if people have noticed, but it's it's happening that finally 
another generation of ex-bears that are, are having their voices heard that stick around here and like being here and like being Chicago Bears as well, which I love. Strangely enough, not the quarterbacks, though. You know, like when was the last time you heard from Rex Grossman? When's the last time you heard from Kyle Orton? It was like those guys like disappeared. Yeah, what? Yeah, I would love to hear from were, Rex Grossman. They were just speed bumps. They were mold on all the beautiful food that was growing around them. I enjoy both of those guys, too, like covering both of them. They're completely different. Uh, but I enjoy co- covering them both. And, and Rex was a really thoughtful guy. Uh, I, I was, I'm actually surprised that he isn't doing more. It, it, like, if, you if we would have had a, a bet in 2007 on – who would be in the media? And I, I said, choose between Rex Grossman and Olin Krutz on who would have a media job in 2020. Mm-hmm. No one would pick Olin. Absolutely nobody would pick Olin. He might not even pick Olin, if we were to be honest. And, and it was like Rex just left out of town and no one's seen him since. Well, I would have been afraid not to pick Olin because I would he would squeeze my head like he would squeeze my head like a zit and that would be that. I don't want to go near there. Lawrence, this has been great. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Um, say hi to Mel Michaels for us. We're all, I'm only using this to get closer to Mel Michaels. You know that, right? Absolutely. She uh she got a lot of understand my hate of the Detroit Pist this week while we watched <laughs> the last dance. While I'm screaming at the television. Uh, there you go thanks for joining us we appreciate it anytime boys i'm around especially during all this if you need someone to hang out i'm all for it excellent love you lawrence take take up on that all right guys lawrence Lawrence holmes uh noon to two monday through friday on this here score speaking of bears quarterbacks who are in the media this one's back in the media we are going to do our uh what are you doing wegner segment we're going to start with the travails of a Bears quarterback that the story just keeps getting better. And we have other things that people are doing during the uh, quarantine, the isolation. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday second, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. What are you doing, Wagner? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That's it. Our segment. Inspired by the quarantine, the isolation. What are you doing, Wagner? Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosen with Mark Rody with you. Saturday suckage. Especially emphasizing Saturday so you know what day it is. It all runs together. As 
Josh Charles. You may have seen him as Knox Overstreet in Dead Poets Society or maybe from Sports Night, The Good Wife. He tweeted out, I feel like I am in Groundhog Day, but with all the funny parts cut out. Yeah, that's what this <laughs> yeah. feels like. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai studios, me and Grody are. And I want to appreciate the response in the text, the text line. The text zone is brought to you by Rose and Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at roseandhyundai.com. We had um, one of the textures really likes the idea of score hosts going back and forth, mixing of hosts on different shows, especially during this time with less live content. And you do get a different sound to it. I, I will agree with that. It's guys who know sports. Everybody knows sports. Everybody's got an opinion, and we encourage that because that's what we do for a living. But the idea of hearing it from two people like the original idea of sports radio is I always go back to with when I heard Hawk and Wimpy doing games two guys sitting at the end of the bar having they were having a discussion about hitting it's all they were discussing and we were having just a bunch of guys talking sports right Mark isn't that when sports sports talk radio sounds its best yeah it makes a lot okay. of sense and i do think that people like hearing the uh, the hosts interact you know the the dan bernstein show every day he dan i'm danny bernstein i'm from deerfield illinois he has a different guest on from the score every day uh-huh. at eleven forty, just yep. to get on and do a little bit of quasi transition see what's on your mind so no i thought that was great feedback from the, from the listener um, we always appreciate that kind of stuff, what people like, what people don't like, things of that nature. Well, we, we appreciate that. Um, and here is, uh, as part of what are you doing, Wagner, we were doing this just to, as a, as a panoramic view, of going around to see what other people are doing during this time. And the Cutlers are getting divorced. That was the word that came out um, from Instagram and and their whatever their statements were but over the last 24 hours or so it seemed to be get even more dramatic this has become the war of the cutlers so we will play you something from entertainment tonight that just walks you through it wraps it up has drops of of Kristen cavallari in it this is really this is going to get ugly and mean and deceitful and we're going to have Get your popcorn ready. That's all I can say. Get a load of this. We make do. We figure it out. And I feel like I've kind of figured out what works for us. Well, not anymore. Things are getting ugly between Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler. In new court docs obtained by ET, which the 33-year-old reality star filed on Wednesday, Kristen claims that Jay is trying to control their marital assets and is preventing her from buying her own home. Kristen also claims in the docs that she and Jay have been experiencing problems in their marriage for the last several years, and that in the fall of 2019, things were so bad in the marriage that she started looking for another home. From the outside, like things are so perfect and things are so great, but actually, like, they're not. According to the docs, Kristen had a change of heart after she and Jay attempted to salvage the marriage. Well, the docs say they eventually realized their attempts to make it work, well, wasn't working and knew a divorce was inevitable. So in March, they started talking about how they would divide up their assets and their time with their three children. 
Since April 7th, the two have been splitting their time with the kids, alternating every three days. And when it's not their time on with the kids, they've been leaving the house and staying with friends. Sounds amicable, right? Not so fast. Kristen alleges that Jay said he will only release the money for her to buy a new house if she agrees to his parenting and custody plan. And get this. Kristen thinks the former NFL pro rushed to file his complaint as a way of punishing her after she told him she was planning on signing a contract to buy a house. Now she's asking that the courts help her access the funds so she can move forward with the purchase. As for why Kristen wants new digs, she says she's worried that living under the same roof with her ex will affect the kids, creating an unhealthy environment and irreparable harm. My kids, my family, they're my number one priority. They always will be. In the docs, Kristen also claims Jay picks fights with her in front of the kids, and she fears the situation will escalate. Jay officially filed for divorce on April 21st, citing irreconcilable differences. Kristen's filing came on April 24th, citing marital misconduct and irreconcilable differences as the reason for the split. She also requested primary custody of their kids. The two announced their split after 10 years together on Instagram. At the time, a source told ET the pair struggled as their roles in the industry have switched. Jay retired and Kristen's running various businesses. Yeah, it's been interesting. We've really completely shifted roles. Um, so it's just been trying to like navigate this new normal. Kristen and Jay's problems were documented on her reality show, Very Cavalieri. When you're playing football, like literally, I had to give up my whole life. And I feel like since I've gotten really busy, I just haven't, I don't feel that same support, support from you. And in 2018, she opened up to E.T. about how Jay was handling his new normal after retiring from the NFL. I think, honestly, for us, right now, it's more about just allowing him the time to figure it out. I mean, he's 35. He's only ever known football. He doesn't really know what he wants to do, but I don't want to badger him and push him and push him. I know he worked his ass off for so many years, so I'm just letting him enjoy his freedom, his time. Popcorn ready. This is only going to get better. He's not going to buy a house. I'm freezing. The, I'm freezing the finances. No, you're stuck here. I'm going to. You're going to agree with what to to what I want you to agree to. So there you go. That's how. That's what are you doing, Wagner? That's what the Cutlers are doing. The War of the Cutlers. That's that that's is. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I was always surprised that Jay Cutler seemed like a happily married man, like family man, just didn't seem like his cup of tea, especially family man with somebody who lived her life on television and like living like that. None of it seemed like Jay Cutler. So I was always a little bit surprised. I'm like, all right, well, he seems like a happy man. He's having kids with Kristen. And so then I was equally surprised when the divorce came down and this talk of a breakup occurred, especially since it was this past year working the Bears sidelines before a game, Jay Cutler and Kristen were there and I talked to both of them. They seemed very happy. Like Jay seemed like he was like smiling and laughing and he just seemed like a happy man who who didn't need football in his life and he didn't need microphones in his face and he was just he seemed like a very uh, self-actualized man, I will say. So this this all comes as a little bit surprising and shocking to me. I, I'm not shocked by anything that involves Hollywood people that the very cavalier could be anything is, and everything is content. I have no idea what might be now or might be in the future. 
content for a reality show. Jay was, Jay kind of stole that show, his appearance in there and that attitude you described, the smoking Jay Cutler attitude just kind of, kind of fit with, or allowed him to steal that whole thing. I don't, I don't know what's real and what's not, but I'm here for the entertainment. That's what we have, right? Yeah, and we are doing What Are You Doing, Wagner? And I'm just looking at some of the text messages. 708, dude, grocery store shopping is the new clubbing. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, we've seen family outings and we've seen date nights. Yeah, sure. Just just keep your... Di- Actually, now that you mentioned that, talked to Gene Grody yesterday. And... Oh. Yeah, check this out. Jean actually said that she, because they follow the rules, they don't grocery shop, they have their grandkids, their kids, as we're, we're, we're referred to as the workers, as they like to say. We, we take care of them with the grocery shopping. However, the Jewels was offering a um, senior citizens thing where we could go. So your father and I went to the Jewels, and you know we both went separate ways in the stores. <laughs> <laughs> they had separate, and my my mom's really kind of. I think my mom's starting to dig hearing her name on the radio because she says, "So you can you could tell that to Steve tomorrow if you want, and uh, you know you could say Jules if you want." Um, so, yeah. So that that's what the Jean and Gear are to her. doing. The quarantine is yeah. getting to Jean Grody. Uh, this is all I got to live for. <laughs> it's getting to all of us. Saturday yes. suckage. Yeah. Well, this was, and and we. Um, Another name, a person you've seen, if you've been watching The Last Dance, you've seen a lot of Steve Kerr, and he was central in in telling of this story and will be central in what's coming up. And Steve Kerr has not much to do, but he has a great sense of humor. He was recruited by Second City, which seems like a natural thing, given the waves he's seen Steve Kerr, what we knew of him here, what we knew, what we've seen of him in press conferences. And he was working... And with it, with one of the Second City actresses, whose name eludes me, Studs, do you have this now? Damn, I forgot her name. And it's really awful because she's good and she's in Superstore. She's in the show Superstore. And they're doing improv. And they're doing it with, with split screen. She is in a bathtub and she's pregnant and she's in labor and he is her coach. It's Lauren Ash is who it is. Lauren Ash, that's who it is. Thank you. From Second City. So this this aired, I want to say late Thursday night. It was it was released, it debuted, and it's 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 Lauren Ash as a pregnant woman in labor and Steve Kerr as part of this improv setup coaching her through this. <sighs> And breathe. You are an independent woman and you are going to have this baby on your own. All right, your birth plan is airtight. This is exactly why you registered for the best digital doula service. Thanks for using eDoula. My name is Steve. How far apart are your contractions? Steve Kerr? Just Steve is fine. What's your name? Oh, I'm Carol and... Whoa, that sounded like a doozy. Carol, listen, this is your time to shine. Wait, wait, are you doing this for extra cash while the NBA's on hiatus? No, no, I've actually been doing this since 97. You know, I delivered Dickie Simpkins' kid on the team plane. As a 
doula? Well, in both cases, you're coaching babies. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Carol, listen. What you do right now is going to set the foundation for everything that happens from here on out. So listen to me. Take it one possession at a time. Possession? Work with me, Carol. Listen, I survived a fist fight with Michael Jordan. I have eight rings. I'm your doula. You can do this. Okay. Good. Now, let's take a deep breath, and we're going to push on three. Ready? One, two, three. <laughs> How are we doing, Carol? I'm scared. Did we make a mistake? We're bringing a child into the world with racism, disease, people chugging bleach. You know what? During the 98 season, the Bulls faced a ton of obstacles coming from all sides. Not to mention the uncertainty that was going to follow. I mean, what would the Bulls do without Phil? Were the two Jerry's going to break up the team? I mean, there were so many things to think about. But we won that championship, Carol. And I went on to win another couple championships in San Antonio. And then I won three more with the Golden State Warriors. Hell, look at me now. I'm your doula, for God's sakes. So trust your instincts, Carol. You're going to be a great mom. <laughs> what time is it? Congrats, champ. I could have done it without you, Steve. It's what I do. I motivate. <laughs> I love that. Steve Kerr. I find it uh, half funny and half disturbing, to be honest with you. <laughs> Why was she disturbing? I don't know. The grunting. <laughs> oh. I've been in labor rooms. I'm. I guess I'm not... Um, discouraged by that. I guess I'm not put off by that. Yeah. Okay. You're desensitized. Yeah, I, it's just it's just what happens. And um, and I just thought that was great. Steve Kerr going along with the whole thing. That's spectacular. All right, we have to take a break, but I do want to ask you a question. Um, Shannon Ryan and her son, Aiden Ryan Boyd, ranked their top 15 family sports movies. And they chose Sandlot. Should we get her on so you can yell at her about that? Ugh, no, I mean I, I, um, I like Shannon, so I don't want to <laughs> upset that relationship. So okay. yeah, it's just, you know, look, it, if you can channel that movie correctly, it is not about baseball. It's about some kids trying to get a ball back from a dog. It's what it's about. So I. I don't know. I think the problem was it was built up to me a little bit too much. And I have realized that it is a generational thing um, that you have to be a certain age to. You had to have been a kid when that movie came out to really enjoy it now. Um, so I, I guess there's emotional reasons for people that like it that like it. I hate it. I hate it. All right. I like it. I get a kick out of it. But OK. Whatever, All right. Steve. So what is what? <laughs> What are you doing, Wagner? And you had to explain to a texter why it's jewels. Texter wanted you to know it's jewel, not jewels. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know how to. If he's missing the joke, he's missing the joke. Maybe he's right. just trolling. It, it, right that could along. be trolling. All right, yeah. we'll, take, we'll take a break. Saturday suckage, of course. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Forever. 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 
Saturday Suckage. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rody with you. Top of the hour, we will talk with J.J. Stankovitz, NBC Sports Chicago. Talking Bears, my friends. Talking Bears. Bears draft, Bears signings. And they bring in more bodies. That, that, the Ted Gidd thing. Talked about that earlier, Mark. Is that, that really looks, that that's one of Ryan Pace's win or walk moves to me. It's a guy, we don't need much out of him. We don't need more than a year. We all might not have more than a year if we have a year. So what do you think he's got? Well, you know, Ted Ginn Jr. is obviously a guy who never has lived up to being the ninth overall pick in the draft at one point in time in his life. But every year he has a moment where he looks like the ninth overall pick in the draft. (laughs) Like last year on Monday Night Football when he had seven catches for 101 yards against Houston. So he'll give you some big games. I guess everybody says that he still has the same type of speed. So if you could channel that properly, use him correctly, sort of like Cordero Patterson. And I know Cordero is more of a special team standout than anything at this point on the Bears. But he is like like Cordero Patterson is a guy who you just have to use him in the correct ways. I think Ted Ginn is the same way. I certainly don't think that you bring Ted Ginn in and say, yes, this is the guy on whom we are depending for the sake of our season. But when they signed him, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know what I mean? Like it's a, why not signing? So add him to the mix of receivers that you're attempting to put together right now. Another guy, at least the rough draft of whom, you know, Matt Nagy would like because of the versatility that might exist with somebody like Ginn. Any chance to get more points. That's the way I look at it. At least they get, if, if not the actual, not the right guy, at least the right idea. So that's positive, having the right idea compared to this. Scott Hansen of the Red Zone Channel last week <clears throat> got a text from a friend. He tweeted this out. Just got a text from a friend, a Packers fan. Clearly the front office has been watching the last dance and sees Jerry Krause as the hero of the day. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i love we're like jerry grody yeah so we will we will talk about the division we'll talk about the bears we'll talk uh football with jj stankovitz after this chicago sports radio 670 the score we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 